I want to speak this morning on a topic that I have been really praying about and uh, believe the Lord has, has something for us special. In fact, it was so special that I wrote a letter to, this week and sent it out to everybody that calls this their church home and for even those that maybe have felt led to go to other churches recently. But this is a, this is a sermon that I believe that if we catch the message, if the Holy Spirit will speak his word through us and get it into our heart, this will change our lives and it will change the life of the church. They, they, I've titled it a key... The key to a spiritually vibrant and healthy church. There is a key to a church that is vibrant and healthy. And we're going to find out what that is today. So I have a few questions that I hope that we're going to answer. Who came up with the idea of church? Why is church important? If the church is going to make a difference in the world, what does the world need the church to be? What is your role in the church and why you matter in the church? These are some of the questions that I hope that we're going to answer today. Let me me start off with this question. Have you ever wondered what the key is to a vibrant and growing church? What is the key element of a vibrant, healthy, growing, powerfully powerful church. And I mean vibrant and growing from a spiritual standpoint, not simply from a numbers standpoint. Because I believe there is a difference between a church that is vibrant in numbers and healthy financially and a church that is vibrant and healthy spiritually. Sometimes they can be the same thing. Sometimes they're not the same thing. Whether a church is large or small, God measures the health of the church from a different perspective than men do. Not to say that we can't agree with the way God measures or maybe even understand it. It's just not the way we naturally measure things the way God measures things. Because God always measures things. Let me tell you this. God always, always measures things from an eternal perspective. We most of the time measure things from a temporal perspective. We normally measure things from what we see, what we can touch, what we can feel, what we can smell, right? How many people are in the church? How much money does the church have? That's typically how we measure church because that's what we see. But I will tell you that God doesn't measure churches simply by how many people are in the pew or how much money is in the bank. He measures churches from a totally different perspective most of the time and always from an eternal perspective. In other words, he wants to know what's best for you, what's best for the church, and that's how he measures the success of the church is, is it accomplishing the eternal perspective that he sees? So this morning, I feel the Lord has given a clear indication and a direction for what it means for the people in a local church to be spiritually healthy, vibrant, powerful, growing, and ultimately, ultimately be the kind of church that Jesus is coming back for. I will tell you that Jesus is not coming back for a weak church. He's not coming back for a church that isn't over-the-top vibrant and healthy. He's not coming back for the church that's half in. He's coming back for the church that's all in, without any hint of compromise. This is the kind of church that draws the lost 
and the hurting people in the community into this church because they're seeing Christ. They're seeing the power of the Holy Spirit in this church. And that's the church that Jesus is coming back for. And I will tell you right now that that church is not unique to Centerpoint. We are not the only church that can be that way. There's a lot of churches that are, can be vibrant and healthy if they follow what the Bible says. If they are hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, and if they are being led by the Holy Spirit, that church, no matter where it's at, can be vibrant and healthy. But it's not the church that just has the biggest numbers. Not necessarily. Because numbers ultimately come, typically, but numbers aren't the measurement. So maybe you're wondering now, what is the secret ingredient that I'm talking about? But I'm not going to tell you right now because I want to I talk to you a little bit more about whose idea is the church. Why are we even here? Whose idea is church? Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 18. This is Jesus speaking. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So whose idea is the church? It's none other than Jesus Christ's. His idea of the church. Now, what is a church? Well, if you look at the Greek word translated in Scripture, it's ecclesia. Ecclesia, which says it means, it means that it's a group of people gathered together or a congregation, but it's never intended to mean the building or the place of gathering. The church is not these four walls. We meet here, but the church is not the four walls. The church is the gathering of the people. The people are the church. And Jesus declares some pretty powerful things about this church. First of all, he declares that the gates of Hades or hell, or eternal damnation and destruction, will not be able to overcome the church that Jesus has designed. So therefore, that tells me that this group of people that are gathering together to form the church are meant to be powerful and dynamic and not able to be overcome by the enemy. All right? That's what that means. The church, you and I, are able to withstand the onslaughts and all the opposition of the devil, no matter what it is, because as defined by Christ, we are the church, and the church he designed is powerful and vibrant and alive and healthy. So it's obvious that it was the intention of Christ that his church be an overcoming church. Let me ask another question. Who is Jesus giving the keys of the kingdom of heaven too. Who is he given them to? Go back and look at it. Verse 19. I will give who? You. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, okay, what do keys mean? What do keys represent? Keys represent authority and power. The ability to lock or unlock something is in the hand of the, whole, of the man or woman who holds the key. They give entrance or restrict entrance. The person that holds the keys is the gatekeeper. 
And they decide who's allowed to enter and who's allowed not to enter. Because if I'm given the keys, I can decide to unlock or lock the door. So keys represent entrance. If Jesus is giving the keys of the kingdom to you and to me, he's giving us the authority to either unlock or lock the door. He wouldn't give you the key if he didn't give you the ability to use the key. As the key holder, I am the gatekeeper. You are the gatekeeper. It's your choices to either use the key to lock the door or to unlock the door. Does that make sense? We have the power. We have the choice to do exactly what God wants us to do or not do. He says that, that we have the power to loose what is bound on earth or to bind things that are on earth. We have the ability, we have the power to either bind or unbind, loose or unloose, on earth as it is in heaven. So now we must have some connection between heaven and earth because it says that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Therefore, there must be some relationship between me as the gatekeeper and Jesus, who is in heaven, and he and I must be communicating as to what are we going to bind and what are we going to lose. There's relationship associated there. And then we could go into a lot more detail on that topic, but that, I just want to give that as a basic understanding today. So that gives us a brief description of whose idea the church is and who makes up the church. It's, remember, let me ask you the question, whose idea is the church? Jesus. It's his idea, all right? It's not my idea. So if you haven't figured it out by now, who is the key to the church? What is the key to the church, to being a spiritually vibrant and healthy church? Well, let me tell you so we can move on. The key to a spiritually vibrant, healthy, powerful, and growing church is you. You are the missing ingredient. You are the secret weapon. You are the key to a church, to being the vibrant church of who Jesus has defined this church to be. He's, he's giving us, that means you and me, we are the key ingredient. And no matter what church you go to, whether this is your home church or you go to a church wherever you live, if you're visiting, it doesn't make any difference. You are the key to the vibrancy and the health of the church that you attend. It's not me. It's not the worship leader. It's not the Sunday school teacher. It's not the elder board or the deacon board. They aren't the key. You are. You are the key to what it means to be a vibrant church. I want to show a video here that's about 15 minutes long, but I want to, to this, this man said it so well. And I, I want to pick up on what he's talking about as our responsibility as being the key to the vibrant church. So, Larry, if you could play that video, we'll come back and we'll talk when he's done. So I'm praying for that. Now, in light of all that, here's what the Lord dropped in my heart. Now, I'm going to try to be quick because I know you want to hear Bobby. But a few years back, I was pondering, as I have pondered many times, 
In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, you're familiar with it. When Solomon's temple was dedicated, it says the priests uh, went into the holy place. They sanctified themselves. They came out of the holy place. They got together with all the trumpeters, and they began to praise the Lord. Here's what it says. They said, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And they were all with one accord praising the Lord. Here's what the Bible says, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. You know, and I, I pondered this. I said, Lord, why are we under, Hebrews says, we're under a better covenant with better promises. They were under the old covenant of the blood of bulls and goats. We're under the new covenant of the blood of Jesus. We have a better covenant with better promises. Why is it when they praise the Lord in one accord, a glory cloud comes and no one can minister? Why is it when we praise the Lord that doesn't happen? So I was asking the Lord that, and I felt that small voice of the Holy Spirit say, read it again, read it carefully. So I did, and here's what he showed me. It says, and all the priests came out of the holy place, for they had all sanctified themselves. And then when they began to praise, they were in one accord. And then the glory came. So here's what the Lord impressed in my heart. He said, before they worshipped me, before they began to sing, they, here's now a priest, they said they came out of the holy place. Now before you could come out of the holy place, you had to sanctify yourself to get into the holy place. So all the priests sanctified themselves. That means you repent of having ought with somebody. You repent of sins, omissions. You sanctify yourself. You plead the blood of Jesus. If you have a bad attitude, you repent of it. If you, if you haven't served God, you haven't worshipped, you repent of it. You, sancti- you know what sanctify means. They sanctify themselves. And, when you, and you sanctify yourself until you're in the presence. You're in the holy place. Now they got in the holy place. Now when you get in the holy place, the Holy Spirit gets on you. Now when they come out of the holy place, they're like this. You know what I'm talking about. Now when they praise the Lord, they're praising the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That's how we're supposed to worship Him. Psalm 96 verse 9, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So the glory cloud came in. So I pondered that and I thought, Lord, that's not how we do it in America. We have church at 10. And at 10 o'clock, the church is 80% empty. 10.15, it's a little more full. 10.30, it's almost full. So people stay up on Saturday night and watch the news. They get up just in time to run out the door to church. Sometimes they're squabbling on the way to church. Shut up. And then come in church. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm exaggerating, but you know how it is. Our, Our minds so full of the world and so full of the flesh. It takes us 40 minutes of worshiping until we get halfway sanctified to where we get a little bit of His presence and it's time to stop the program. So I came before our body and I said, look it, 
I don't want to be in a church that doesn't have more of the presence of God. If we can't have more of God's presence, let me go do something else. I'd rather go to the Elks Club because there you can have a beer. If you're not going to have the presence of God, why not have a cold beer with a friend? I'm not saying go drink beer. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just thinking we don't have more of the presence of God. But the American hybrid Christianity has turned it into consumerism. And so we tailor the services not to attract God's presence, but to, to, to attract people to get their tithes. See, because of the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So I told our body, I came to our body, I said, look it. I said, I don't want you to stay up late on Saturday and fill your mind with nonsense on the news or whatever else. I said, go to bed at a decent time. I want everybody to get up in the morning earlier than you normally do and spend time with God. Get in the Word. Sanctify yourself. Repent. Worship God. Meditate on His Word. Pray. Do it until you can start to feel His presence manifesting. I said, and then come to church with some oil in your lamp. Come with some oil. And bring your fire and add your fire to the fire. You don't, don't come empty and say, I sure hope the worship team's anointed. I know we laugh, but it's really, it's really sad. Because we've been raised by leaders to teach us to be spectators instead of worshipers. And so I, I gave instructions to our body. And to my delight, the next Sunday, probably 95% of the church was filled. Right at 10, everybody was... They did it. People prepared their hearts. They waited on God. They got full of the... I said, listen, we should get full of the Holy Spirit before we come to church. We don't come to church to get full. We need to know how to get full on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. So everyone did. I want to tell you what happened. And I want to tell you what we want to do this week. I believe we can... We could press into the glory of God this week. It's time. We need the glory back in the church. So that ne- the next Sunday, I mean, I was so happy. The church was full right at 10. I mean, the first song, the presence of God filled the place. It's like, instead of waiting, to, taking 20 minutes to get into his presence, the first song, presence of the Lord. We went into this high praise, the awesome presence of God. And then into deep worship. We worshiped for about almost an hour. And, and nobody wanted to stop. And then it got real quiet. The kind, like, the pit, there was still worship, but it was quiet. Just thick, thick honey. And then, in that awesome, and that day we had about 20 visitors. First time visitors. Some might have been there once or twice before. Most of them are new. In that thick, sweet honey presence. I remember it was Rachel sitting right here. She gave a prophetic word. And I remember thinking, man, that seems to cut right across. Because it was so sweet, the presence, and her word was sharp. It was like, repent. God says, today's the day. Something like that. And I cringed. I thought, oh, Lord, is that you? I heard the Holy Spirit said, yes, it is. Give an altar call. 
So while the worship never stopped, it kept going, just worship. I quietly took the mic and I said, if that's you, I said, come forward right now. Every single visitor came forward. Listen, they all lined up here. Watch. They all came forward. I called, I called one or two of the leaders to help me. I think Melinda and somebody. And now worship never stopped. People are still worshiping God. Awesome presence. We begin to lay hands on people. We led them to the Lord. Laid hands on people. The power of God was so strong. I remember pointing my hand at a person. Never touched him. They hit the floor. They gave their life to Christ. I never touched them. The power of God hit them. When they hit the floor, they were filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. Another person healed. Another person healed. Another person filled with the power of God hit all the people. And then the place erupted back into high praise. And then we praised and the presence of God was so thick, it would have been a sin against the Holy Spirit if I tried to preach. It would have been wrong. I could, it would have been wrong, Bobby. I, why Anyway, why preach when the Lord is here? And so His presence came so strong, we worshiped for another hour. So we had two solid hours of worship. All the visitors got saved. People got healed, got filled with the Holy Spirit. And the entire congregation went home like this. Full of the Holy Spirit. Now, why? What? See what we're missing? So here's what I want to say. In this conference, let's go for the glory of God. I mean, when I mean the glory of God, I mean the person of Jesus. I'm going to ask all of us if you'll seriously take this to heart. And I'm thinking, here we are. You've taken time off work. You've traveled. You got here. This is a holy convocation. Let's take tonight, tomorrow morning, every day. Let's take time before we come in here to the meetings. Spend alone on your knees. Sanctify yourself. There's someone you need to forgive. Forgive them. There's something wrong. Make it right. Wait in God's presence. Ask the Holy Spirit to cleanse to sanctify. See, that's the thing that's missing. The only thing that missed from different from that Sunday, from every other Sunday, was the people sanctified themselves. So, see, we pray, oh, come, God, come, Lord, come, Lord. He'll come. We have to sanctify ourselves. So, now's our opportunity. This is the perfect time. That's what the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart. Now, it's not didn't just happen to our church. My friend, I know he's here somewhere, uh, Rick Wright. Uh, not long after that, I got a phone call from pastor in Los Angeles. He said, I want you to come up and speak at our church. I said, what's going on? He said, we're having a move of God in our church. I said, what happened? He said, Sunday. He said, the presence of God was so strong. The gifts were flowing. The power of God. It was so unusual. And he said, I knew something was up. He said, but I don't know what it was. So I asked my people after the service. He said, we had a glorious Holy Spirit move of God. He said, I asked him. I, he said, everybody was there right when church started. I said, why were you guys all here right when church started? You're never here on time. Here's what they told him. They said, Pastor, we got a hold of some DVDs from Joe Sweet. And he talked about 
And I told that testimony. So all his church, without him knowing, all got together. They heard the message and they said, let's do it. They all sanctified themselves, came to church on time, and the power of God swept in. See, so anyway, that's, our op- that's what the- God dropped in my heart. We have an opportunity. How many want to do it? Let's do it. Now tonight, when you go back to your room, take some time. I hope you heard what this pastor said about the difference for his people. Church meant something different to them when they came prepared. In the context of what it means to be the church, we, as the key ingredient of the church, have some real responsibilities here. See, it's very obvious that the Lord's desire to, is to have a relationship with his church. That means he wants a relationship with me, and he wants a relationship with you. We have a responsibility on a daily basis to commune with him. I don't know where it ever started to say church is only on Sunday mornings. No. Do you eat once a week? Do you just have one big meal on Sunday and then don't eat the rest of the week? No, not unless you're fasting. No, we eat every day. If we're going to have the relationship with Christ that's vibrant and alive and healthy, then you have to eat from him every day. We need to be focused and intentional in our personal devotion life that builds the relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we can do that, even in the busyness of our American lifestyle. We can do that if we choose to do that. It will will change you. It will change your schedule. It will change your getting up in the morning schedule or what time you go to bed in the night schedule or what you do during the day schedule because sometime of that day, you're going to spend personal devotional time with Jesus. Just you and him. You're going to have church. Sometime throughout that day, you're going to have church. So let me ask, why is church so important? Well, first of all, if Christ established the church, then it must be important to him. I mean, if it was his idea to start the church, it must be important to him. So do you care what's important to Christ? Yeah, I do. And I think you do too. We are instructed in God's word to have regular and committed gatherings of church on a regular basis. Hebrews chapter 10 Verse, uh, verse 25, in the Living Bible translation, it says this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not neglect our church gatherings, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. Now, that, church couldn't, that scripture couldn't be more relevant than it is right now. Because when this was written, that was like 2,000 years ago. How much more near is the return of Christ today than it was 2,000 years ago? Amen? The context of church in our modern-day Western society is very different than what it was then 
Then they had church, or the gathering of the, of the early church was on a daily basis. They came together as a church, and they ate together. They communed together. They, sometimes they lived together. So church for them was a daily occurrence. Now, I know that that's not relevant. We can't live that way here in our society. But let me tell you that that does not change the idea that, church, that Jesus had for the church. He did not change his idea of the church because we don't do the church like the early church did. His idea and his, 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 his commitment to us as a body and what he wants from us committed back to him is just the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. Even though we don't meet every day together as a body, it's Jesus' idea that we come together powerfully and effective and healthy and vibrant every time we come together. And that means every time, that means daily you must have some type of a relationship with the Lord as a church. And that may be just you, it may be you and your spouse, it may be you and your prayer partner or somebody, but throughout the day you have to have that. And I will tell you something else, that in America today, in our Western society today, in our enlightened world that we live in today, the church is under attack. It's under a full frontal attack. And let me show you the trend that I'm talking about. See, it used to be normal back in the good old days, whatever that means, it used to be normal for the church to have a strong Sunday school program. In fact, Sunday schools often built the church. It used to be normal for there to be a Sunday morning worship. It used to be normal for there to be a Sunday night worship service. It used to be normal that we would come together on a Wednesday night midweek service and it would be well attended and the gospel, the message would be preached and people would be touched by the Lord. See, it used to be normal that we had multiple occurrences throughout the week that we would come together and be a vibrant, healthy church. But what is it, what is it morphed into? What does it dwindle down into right now? Well, Sunday morning worship and that's about it. And that's sparsely attended. And that's attended if I have nothing more important to do. That's attended if it's, it's an optional thing for me today. In, in, in America, come on, let's be honest with ourselves. In America, coming to church on Sunday morning is optional if I have nothing else better to do. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that you have to, church, you have to come to church every Sunday. I'm not being legalistic here. Because there are really um, valid reasons why we're not here. Maybe you are traveling. Maybe you're on business. Maybe you're sick. There are reasons. I get that. But we've taken it to the extreme that church now is, when it fits into my schedule, I'll attend. And when it doesn't, I won't because I have something more important to do. Now let me ask you, how is that going to go for you when you see Jesus face to face? How is that going to go for you when you say, Jesus, I didn't come to church because, you know what, you weren't important enough because I wanted to go golfing, or I wanted to do this, or I wanted to do that, or, you know what, I just, I wanted to spend time with whatever. The enemy within us, the enemy within us, my flesh, not, I'm not going to give the devil credit here. I'm not going to give the devil the credit that he's the one that keeps me out of church. Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. Do you remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. Well, you know what? The devil doesn't make you do what you already want to do. <laughs> and many of us have a desire. Sometimes we just want to be selfish. 
And I'm not beating up on you at all. I'm, I'm just talking honestly. I'm talking from the truth of the heart because I know, because I'm speaking from my own experience. I know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to be selfish because I can be as selfish as the rest of you, probably better. But you know what? When I can let the Holy Spirit get into my heart and I can let the Holy Spirit start taking control of my selfish desires and I start putting him truly at the center point of my life, my selfishness turns to envy and covetousness of the presence of the Lord. That's what I want. I really heard this man today. If I can't have a moving in the church, then I'm going to do something else. If we can't come to church and be the church of God and be a vibrant church in this community, then I'm going to do something else because I, it's just not worth it for me. Do you see that? It's not worth it for you. It's not good for any of us. If the church is going to make a difference in the world, then let me ask this question. What does the church need to be to them? If the church is going to make a difference in the world, in this community of Charlevoix, and your friends and where you work, what does the church have to be to them? Let's talk about that for a few minutes. See, I believe people in the world want to see the reality of what it is for someone to have a relationship with Jesus. I think people want authenticity more than anything else. I think they want to see a person that has the power of the Holy Spirit living in them being different than them. I don't think the world really wants compromise because it becomes a convenient excuse for them. But I think in reality, I think the church that's going to make a difference in the world is going to be the church that's going to stand on holy convictions not legalistic convictions, holy convictions that know why I do or why I don't do what I do. And there's nothing in the world that's going to make me change my holy conviction because I know that it's based on the truth of God's Word. And I know that that Word does not change. Therefore, I'm going to have a holiness. I'm going to have a reality about, I'm going to have a realness about me that's going to attract people because you're going to see there's something real in that guy. There's something real in her that I want that. I don't know what it is, but I want that. I want the reality. I want something that's going to be so real that it's worth changing for. I don't want to have to change to be real. I want the real to be real to make me change. Amen. I have a little clip that I want to, you know, I love David Jeremiah because he can say things so well and so straightforward and he can slap you right in the face and, and, and it'll make you say thank you. <laughs> Do it again. Larry, would you play that little clip from Dr. David Jeremiah, please? Men and women, what's killing the impact of the church today is men and women who are in the church who aren't living the faith. They live two lives. They have their church life, their religious life, and then they have the life that they live in the world. And the world sees that. The world's not stupid. The world sees the inaccuracy and the lack of integrity in our lives. Why would they want that? They got that without Jesus. They don't need Jesus for that. <laughs> so if we're going to change this whole issue of falsehood, taking center stage instead of truth, we have to seek the truth. We have to speak the truth. But most of all, we have to live the truth. We have to be who we are all the way through to the core. Amen. And God is allowing that to happen. A lot of churches that I know about now are starting to have some kind of revivals that are bringing that about through prayer and sometimes through fasting. We're getting back to who we should be. And when the church of God is who it should be, 
There's nothing that can stand against it. Amen. I saw that. Amen. Did you hear that? When the church gets back to who it's supposed to be, there's nothing that can stand against it. That is the church that Jesus has defined. That's the church that Hades will not stand against. That hell will not stand against the church that's real, that's vibrant, that's alive, that's living the truth, not just speaking the truth. Boy, there's such a difference. We talked about it in Sunday school class today. You can have a packet of seeds that are very productive seeds, but if they never get out of the packet, if they never get into the ground, those seeds don't do anything besides rot in the packet. That's the church, guys. We need to be real. We need to be planted in our community, and we need to, people need to see the realness of Jesus. Fake people are as offensive as fake news. We've heard the term fake news a lot recently, haven't we? And it is offensive for someone to clearly fake news. That, that's, that's offending me. It's offending my intelligence. But you know what? Fake people are just offensive. Don't patronize me. Don't come to me at some time because you think I'm the pastor and I, and, you need to, and, and I need to see something holy in you. And if it's not holy, don't say it's holy. Don't be fake with people. Don't be fake with your people at work. If the church is going to have an impact on the world, then we need to make up the church that is really going to be really different in a holy way. Not just say they're different, but live their difference. All right, let's get back to the point. What is your role in the church? What is your role? And why do you matter in the church? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever asked yourself, why do I, what's my role here? Why do I matter in this church? I really believe that the key role that you have in the vibrant church as the key ingredient is to make yourself accountable for your own spiritual life. It happens when people make it their own responsibility to develop this relationship with Jesus that is so real, it is so raw, it is so powerful that when the little finger of God touches you that you fall out because you can't stand under the presence of a holy God. That when he, when he ministers to you in your quiet time and you find the presence of Christ and you find the Holy Spirit come to you, it just makes you weep. It wipes you out. Because we cannot contain, we cannot hold up, we cannot measure God's greatness in our ability to control our emotions. It just wipes you out. And I would say that if we spend as much time in the Word, as much time in prayer as we do on Facebook, we'd be different people. We find a lot of excuses of why we can't be what God wants us to be. And a lot of it is just because we have poor priorities. Because I'll spend too much time watching YouTube or browsing Facebook, and I'm not saying Facebook or YouTube are evil. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it's, it's just like money. Money's not evil. It's the love of it. It's the love of YouTube. It's the love of Facebook. It's the love of my selfishness, that my time limits my ability to get, to get that raw relationship with Jesus. 
those are some of the things that we need to throw off. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and author of our faith. I like the way the, the, the Living Bible says it as well. Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. You see, there are a lot of things in our life, guys, that are, it may not be sinful, but it's hindering you. It's hindering me. Let's read the Word and let's do what it says. Let's throw it off. Let's strip ourselves of anything that would slow me down from getting a closer relationship with Jesus and let's throw it off and let's say, God, I don't want anything to hinder my relationship. I don't want anything to slow me down, let alone sin that would take me away from that relationship because sin will take you out of that relationship with Christ. No matter what happened yesterday, if sin, repeated sin, gets into your life, then you've got a whole other issue. Church, our, our, our ability to throw off the thing that hinders is vitally important. So why is our church attendance so important? Let's talk about that real quick. Why is it important that we come to church on Sundays? Well, let me just say that if you don't do... Let me, let me be real careful here. Because first of all, church is a hospital. I get that. Church is a place that hurting people should come and feel comfortable, feel welcomed, feel like they're going to be healed, feel like they're going to be touched. Okay, I get that. But the only way a church can be an effective hospital is if there are doctors there that are practicing. The only way a hospital is of any value if you've got a good hospital staff, right, that's prepared, that comes to the hospital, studied up, practicing their profession, and they come in ready to do what hospitals do. It's no different with a church, guys. If you call this your church, and if you are a regular member here, you are a doctor. It is your responsibility to come in studied up. It is your responsibility to come in to be able to man the ER, to be able to be that, that, that healing agent for somebody that comes into church beat up. If we, can you imagine a doctor coming to a hospital not being ready to do surgery? He's scheduled to do surgery that day, and he's not ready. Can you imagine how scary that would be for the patient on the table? Yeah. Well, guys, that's what, that, that happens all the time in churches. People are coming in hurting, and the doctors, me and you, are not ready to perform surgery. Why? Because we haven't kept our life sanctified through the week. Because we're playing the same games they're playing, then we think we're going to help them when they get here. It doesn't work that way. Guys, I am so passionate about this because this is so real. This is the problem of the church in America that we are not taking our job serious on Tuesday. We're not taking our church serious on Thursday. That's when you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Because, see, we come in here, and there's a, a few of us here today. Well, we can be all full of the Holy Spirit and great things could happen here. But if it doesn't get out of these four walls, what difference does it make? The, re the way this church will grow and healthy and vibrant and be spiritually effective is when the church is healthy and growing and vibrantly effective in the workplace. 
When they see Jesus in you so much that they don't know if it's you or Jesus walking down the street, that's productive. That's productive. When you're able to listen to the Holy Spirit, and remember we said a couple weeks ago that worship equals obedience? You can't really worship unless you're obedient, right? So let's say you're on the job or you're walking down the street or you're seeing somebody in a grocery store or something, and the Holy Spirit drops something in your mind to see that person over there. I want you to pray for him. Here's obedience. Here's worship. You do it like that. You don't think about it. You don't justify it. You don't think, well, God, what happens if I'm wrong or whatever? No. Worship means I hear it and I do it right now. You start doing that, folks. You start doing that and you start doing it real. I'm talking about real. And I'm not talking fake and phony. Don't do it if you're fake and phony because that's bad. That'll repel the people. But you do that with a real love of Christ in your love for them. And all of a sudden, you know what? The church grows. The church is, becomes healthy. And then people start saying, I want what you, how, where did you get that? That is power. That's what it means. Jackie, would you come, please? That's what it means to be the church. First of all, that's the church that Jesus Christ is coming back for. That's the church that he's coming back for, that he's going to say, that's the one I want to say well done. You know, go read the seven chapters, the seven churches in the, in the first two and three the chapters of, of Revelations, chapters two and three. And you'll see God saying something's good, but most of the things are bad because he's stripping them away of the fakeness, the phoniness. We're done. We've got to have that. We've got to stop that. And I'm not saying you're being fake and phony. I'm saying the, the church of America has got to stop being fake and phony. But it can start here. It can start right now with me and with you. Right? Is that what we want? I really believe this is, this is the difference maker, guys. This church will either succeed or fail based on this message today. That's why I sent that letter out. If this church doesn't start doing this, then it's just a matter of time and we're going to close the doors. Because we're not, God's not in the fake. He's not in the phony. So let's be real, okay? Let's be real this morning. First of all, would you close your eyes with me? Father, we need a time of self-evaluation. First of all, Lord, I know how much you love me. <laughs> Thank you that your spirit gives testimony to my spirit. Thank you. Thank you for that. But Lord, now I ask you to sharpen the conviction of the Holy Spirit today. Lord, search every little area of my life every little crevice of my heart that I am protecting, trying to protect for myself. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. Seems to be any wicked way within me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Search me, O oh God. Search me, Holy Spirit. I want to be real before you. I don't want to be fake before you because I know I can't be. It's just, it's just a silly thing to even think about. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me. See if there be anything within me, Father. So, God, I pray as we prepare to end this service, we prepare for communion at the end, God, we prepare to move on as, a, as the church that Jesus Christ is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful. God, would you search our hearts? So this morning, if you've prayed that with me, and if you really mean that, and if there's something in your life, anything, any hindrance that you want to throw off this morning, would you join me in the altar and let's throw some stuff off? Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you haven't received Jesus in your, as, your, as your Lord and Savior. Do that right now. 
the Holy Spirit is calling right now. This is the day of salvation. If there's anything within you that needs that you need to throw off, sin or hindrance, would you make it real today? As Jackie sings this morning, I'm just opening the altars. And let's be real for a few minutes in Jesus' name. As a deer panteth for the water, so my soul this message rang true with you at all today, would you please put it into practice? Would you please do something with this seed? Would you plant it this week? Would you please get up in the morning a half an hour early if you have to or change your schedule in your day somewhere through the day that you find the presence of the Holy Spirit sanctify yourself throughout this week and then come in next Sunday full of the Holy Spirit would you do that and then would you bring your fire and combine it with others fire and could we have that Holy Spirit fire in this church again the way that he wants it to be. But it's only going to happen when you bring your fire in with others and we jointly bring and we have a bonfire. It may be just a spark next week. That's fine. But be here, ready to worship, ready to hear the voice of the Lord. And then just see what the Holy Spirit does. See where he shows up. Amen? We good with this? Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. We pray, God, that you would have your way and have your will in your church. We want to be the church. And we want to make that commitment to follow you, Father, without compromise. We want to be that fire-burning church in this community that would draw the lost, the hurting, and, and those that need you. And let us be the doctors on call, ready to go, ready to serve throughout this week just be with us challenge us love us encourage us and we thank you in Jesus name amen amen be blessed this morning as you go be powerful this morning in Jesus name